0: Welcome to the Sandhills Media Ministry. We hope this production encourages and challenges you to live a more Christ-centered life. Welcome to episode six of season four of the Sandhills podcast. We're excited to have the conversation today around the misconception of Christians not believing in science. And to have this conversation, we're able to bring in Shannon Barker, who is a local educator at Spring Valley High School. She got her uh, master's in teaching science education from the University of South Carolina. She also did two years... Uh, in nursing school which is obviously very science heavy and so she's coming in to get to talk about this misconception that Christians don't believe in science and that we reject science but in reality that science can take us into a deeper appreciation of God and his creation this is an excellent conversation we're excited to have it we hope you enjoy it too
1: I I think our God is a God of questions, a Mm. God of wonder, and I think he honors and rejoices in his creation being created to ask those questions and to learn more about him and to see him in everything, in every blade of grass, but in also in every word in his scripture, like in every part of life, I think God wants us to meet Mm. him and he will meet us.
0: No, the only time you're really gonna be free and fulfilled is when, as a created being, you begin to walk in the way that He's created you to operate. But what you do need to
1: do is just be a faithful representation of what you believe. Live it, live it boldly. Don't hedge on anything and just simply be who you are for the sake of Christ and the
0: gospel and the church. And don't think about it in terms of like, did I make sure that they understood that I think they're wrong? In every generation, we need to evangelize the church there is no christian culture christianity is the message of
1: god's son sacrificed on the cross for our salvation
0: and the question that we have to ask ourselves is are we going to choose him or not and i often tell people people don't leave church because of god Mm -hmm. they leave because of other people Shannon, thank you so much for being on the show. I'm excited to have this conversation with you. Thank you for what you do in our public school system. Thank you. It is uh, something that a lot of like young Christians go through is challenging their science teacher in class. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was one of those kids, not, not proud of it. Looking back on it, i like, could have done that a lot better. Um, but this aspect of faith and science seems to be a constant in um, not just the public school system but in our public mindset mm-hmm. of you know christian foundations as a nation but then progressing into a kind of a scientific era starting around mm-hmm. the 40s 50s and things progressing and so today i'm really excited to get to talk to you about the subject of you know the misconception of christians don't believe in science and and talking about christians who are in the science field and and people like you who are teaching the science field so where have you heard uh that misconception before i've heard it you know, through history classes, wherever you heard it?
1: Um, I'd actually love to start with a little story, which I think kind of wraps that question up really well. When I was in seventh grade, I had a science teacher, and he was um, strong in his his viewpoint of creation and, and really by creation, I mean evolution, um, mm-hmm. and pretty aggressive about it. And I had told my mom, you know, you know, he's kind of aggressive. He talks a lot about Darwin. He loves Darwin. Um, He just like has no room and leaves no room for question about that. And my mom pulled me from the class and said, when they learn about evolution, you will sit in the hall and not engage with it like at all. So for like two weeks straight every day during science class, I sat in a desk in the hall by myself because my mom didn't want me in that room. She didn't want me to be conflicted by those perspectives at all. And I love my mom a lot but i think that picture really wraps up the polarization Mm. of this science versus faith debate that has been going on since the beginning of time let's be honest um but in our society now in in the way that we are so extremely polarized it's a topic that has gained a lot of traction Mm. in that polarization of like you are in one camp or the other and they do not mix and they cannot mix. And um, I've heard it everywhere. I've heard it on both sides, which is even harder to admit that in the church, I hear all the time, this, this downcast, I got asked so many questions about, well, how are you going to teach evolution? How yeah. are you going to even talk about that in the school? How are you going to address questions with children? Like how dare you want to, to be a part of that concept in any way, shape or form and, of course, then we see the other camp with um, people in science. You know, I've heard lots and lots and lots of people talk about that you cannot be a Christian in any of your beliefs and mm. also follow this idea of science. And so, I think answering the question, you know, we've heard it for forever. It's been going on for forever, and it is continuing to divide more and more. Although, with the research that I did, kind of leading up to this. I was surprised to find how much division there was even hundreds of years ago mm. on this topic. Yeah. Um, so it's not a new debate yeah. by any means.
0: Did you, this is, did you watch the Ken Ham versus Bill Nye debate on TV in like so, 2014? Do you yes. remember, do you remember uh-huh, that?
1: I do. And and I grew up loving Bill Nye. And so it was a really hard we could talk a long time <laughs> about Bill Nye. I, I grew up, I adored him. Like I loved school we got to watch Bill Nye. Yeah. He's part of the reason I loved science and so even today his stance um, is is pretty polar. He's like pretty aggressive in his um mm-hmm. in his stance and that was hard for me to
0: watch yeah. for sure. I remember I got into this when my f- oh man, I was so jealous <laughs> as a kid. I got into like an Instagram debate, oh, good. you know, on the uh-huh. comment section. As as you should. Mm-hmm. That's where you change the hearts and it minds is, of people. Yeah. It's on the internet. Um, but I remember it was civil, which was good. I didn't want to be a jerk. I knew that, at least. But as we, this guy and I were watching and we were engaging, he was from, obviously, the more science-heavy perspective. I was more from the faith perspective. And we both came to the conclusion that neither of these guys were actually having a constructive conversation. Yeah. They just kind of kept talking past each other. Yes. And uh, Ken Ham had, like, he wasn't arguing about, like, where does life come from? He was arguing about like there are christians in the science field and then bill nye was arguing about like this is why god doesn't exist and yes. it's like that con- like yes. you guys aren't even having the same kind of conversation uh-huh. and i feel like that's what a lot of it is about it's just mm-hmm. people talking past each other and how when you were studying this you started off with nursing at mm-hmm. usc right So that's mm-hmm. very obviously very science heavy yes. and then <laughs> switched into teaching and in biology to teach in the school system to teach the sciences did you ever feel like it was a conversation that was being like taught past you almost where it's like, this is just how it is and you're going to have to deal with it. Or what was yeah. that like learning?
1: Um, I think that you get a good mix of that um, in, especially the science classes, like all of the biology courses, all of the anatomy courses, um, I would say that the majority of the professors that I had either avoided it completely or Mm. just shut it down. Like there was no room to ask questions. There was no room to talk about it. Um, which again kind of feeds into what I said earlier about the polarization of our society. The issue is that we're not willing to talk about it Mm. and professors weren't willing to engage in the conversation. And it wasn't until I got my master's degree that I found so much life in actually being able to learn about the principle of science. You know, what is it, you know, what am Mm. I trying to convey to kids and something that I love talking to people about is when you are studying science um, and when you're teaching science, the first thing that they teach you are these tenants. And if you know anything about a tenant, it's just like something you kind of would live by, like that science follows these general tenants. And the number one one is that um, science is tentative um, and yet durable. Hmm. And those words are really important because the nature of science itself tells us that it is tentative that we only know as much as we know right now, Mm. and that we have to be willing to admit that we could learn more in the future, that proves us wrong. That's the theme of science. We've seen it in everything. The earth is flat. No, it's not. The earth revolves, or everything revolves around the earth. No, it doesn't. It revolves Mm. around the sun. We have been wrong a million times only to find out a few things that we might be right in, Mm. but that that knowledge is always tentative, and yet it's durable. It's based on things that we do know right now, that that we can trust it in some way, shape, or form, but that it's not whole truth. Mm. And I think, um, and we'll get into this later when we talk about famous scientists especially, but to say that science itself is whole truth and it's unwavering and it is you know, never going to change. It's never going to adapt to new scenarios, new technology. That's a false belief system. Like Mm. you cannot rely on it and nobody has been able to rely on it. And everybody that has, has been wrong. Mm. And so when they, when you, when I got to go get my master's and the first thing we was talking about, okay, what science, you know, before we teach kids, what science, well, in general, science is, is tentative and durable. You know, it, it has to be willing to change and when we teach kids we teach them to look critically to think critically to look at information and say okay this is what we know for now like that that is the the big idea and i I challenge my students all the time like okay look at the evidence this is what we know for now it's not permanent Um, and i think that is something that we as Christians need to like emphasize more in the, in the scientific debate world that, um, that when you say that to a scientist, like, Hey, the nature of science is the fact that it is tentative. Nobody can argue with that Mm. because it's true. And we've seen it over and, and that's what they teach you in secular master's degree school. Like that's what they teach you. Um, And they also teach you that it's socially and culturally situated. And because it's socially and culturally situated, you cannot sever man from science. You can't sever opinion from science. Like There is no person that is so unbiased that they can decide something and let it be whole truth with no preconceived notion of it, with no opinion about it, with no cultural scenario that impacts it. That everything we do in science is socially and culturally situated and that means we have to look at it through a social and cultural lens. Mm. And so another tenet of science, you know, what is science, facts about science that that make it unreliable as a, as a whole truth form. We can't rely on it as a source of unwavering eternal truth. It's not. And that is the pill that I think is really hard to swallow in this debate, but it also diminishes the debate because if we're not arguing that science is whole truth, like that's, I feel like that's usually the, the fuel to the fire is like either, um, your religion is your truth or science is your truth. Hmm. And I hear that question proposed and I'm like, no, yeah, you know, we, we one or the other. Yeah. That's, that's the opposition. I'm like, no, like science should never be claimed as your whole truth because it's not, not even in the world of science. Is it the whole truth Hmm. because it's changing constantly. It can't be the whole truth if it's changing. Right. Just love that. Love that. When I got to my master's was the first time that I had heard that I was like, Are you kidding me? I've been in a science field for six years, and this is the first time somebody's going to say that to me.
0: Where it should be the The building block. Yes, that's the first thing. And that's the first thing
1: I tell my kids when they walk in my room. Like, here's what you need to know about science. I'm going to give you everything we know right now, but it's not everything we will know forever.
0: Yeah, and it'll change. Yep. And that's one of the fascinating things looking back. You know, science obviously covers a huge spectrum of things. And Mm -hmm. I think one of the the easiest and most tangible ways to see it is you think of the difference of what happened Between 1900 and 1970. You've got a 70-year span and you go from people just figuring out how to fly and figure out the physics of that and figure out how to make that work and the engineering behind it and combustion. And then you put someone on the moon. Mm -hmm. And that is astounding, the the pace that it can go at. And I think that that's just a good reminder of what you just said. We're like, this is constantly Mm -hmm. going. And the things that we find out constantly build on each other. And so when you try and, you know... And put your stake in the ground on it, or you try and build your house on it, next thing you know, it's completely shifted in a different yep. direction. Which is scriptural. Yeah. I mean, if,
1: if we're going to talk about it, that's it's a, a foundation on sand. It, it moves. And, and science claims that. It's not like science is claiming that it's never going to change and never going to find mm. out anything new, which is why it's so hard for me when people do claim that as their whole truth, because I'm like, I just... Don't get it. How, mm. how can you claim something is your whole truth that's going you know is going to change? Yeah. Doesn't that give you distrust in it? Yeah. Doesn't that breed insecurity in it? Mm. Anyway.
0: And where do you think people get this notion of, of just saying, you know, Christians reject science? Do you think that's something that's, you know, more situated in our current cultural situation? Or do you think it's more historical?
1: I really think that the mentality of um, Christians rejecting science is almost solely... Um, I guess originated in the creation debate.
0: Mm. I think
1: that it was really hard to get past that. And it's funny cause it's Genesis one. So
0: yeah. it's almost
1: like we get there, people sever Christianity and faith, and then we don't look at anything else that happens after that, mm. which is, is really hard for me because when you read scripture, the rest of it, there is so much evidence of, of creation and the Lord in science. Like there, and, and then historically, obviously post, <clears throat> like, scriptural times, there are m- millions, millions of examples of people and ways in which God has been honored through science. And so it's really hard for me when I hear this and see this idea of Christians, quote unquote, hating science, just based on the creation debate.
0: Yeah, that really does seem to be the main it focus is. right yeah. now is like, mm-hmm. you know, and that's, again, Ken Ham and Bill Knight. I mean, talk it has that. been. I yeah. mean, it's been
1: since Darwin, and, and we'll talk a little bit more about Darwin himself, but even Darwin says, and if you read his readings, like Darwin does not, you know, totally, I guess, shut down the idea that there could be a higher being. Mm-hmm. His actual struggle with that is sin and like humanity's um, like mal nature. Like he struggles with how could a good God You know, how could so many horrible things be happening if a good God's in control? Mm. That's his big issue. His big issue is not even this idea of origin of life. yeah. Yeah. You know, he struggles a lot more. And and obviously he is a self-proclaimed, actually an agnostic. A lot of people would, I mean, he went through phases of atheism and, and whatever. But a lot of people target him as like the pivotal, like, you know, you think, evolution you think charles darwin
0: yeah. almost um, like the god of science yes yeah. he
1: is he really and and the reason again it's the it's the creation debate he's truly not the god of science there are so many people that have done no offense charles darwin <laughs> many better things for science like yeah. like better or, or or more i don't know influential discoveries than, isaac newton's up there yes for pretty sure. smart <laughs> um than Charles Darwin, but he he is credited with this anti-Christian. Like even now, you say his name and people are like, "Oh yeah, he hates God." And you're mm. like, "What? Like, yeah. how did we get here?" But I do think the creation debate is the origin of um, those feelings about Christianity versus science, mm. which, like I said, is is sad more than anything. Because if we could just maybe set that aside for a second, we could see so many ways in which god and science are perfectly aligned Mm. and we'll talk about creation debate in a little bit too but um yeah i just think that it's sad for me that that's the origin of this split
0: yeah and you had mentioned that um you know obviously we see kind of darwin in the very modern sense of the debate but you'd also mention things going all the way back to you know the question of you know is the earth flat or Mm -hmm. you know you know is it you know heliocentric and Mm -hmm. you know is this going to be about the earth or is this about the sun and what revolves around what what's the center of what what are some of the misconceptions that go back historically um, that you've heard about or that you've studied
1: yeah um obviously the Earth is flat is a big one. There are still some flat Earthers out there, so I'm sorry mm. if this gets anybody. But the Earth great is, documentaries on that. The Earth is not flat, um, and mm. I love to use that example with my students with the idea of science is tentative and yet durable. Yeah. That at that moment they really thought that. Yeah. Um. And and actually, especially with the um idea of being heliocentric, like the fact that that we are circling around the sun, that was considered heresy in the church at that Mm. time. Like when scientists were talking about that, um, there was conversation about that being anti-scriptural, which is really interesting because now we're like, why would that be against scripture? But it's like, again, this whole like Christian versus science thing is not new. And Mm -hmm. that when that was first being, you know, thought through, um, gosh, I have to, it was Galileo was, was like, um, gosh, he was kicked out of his, his home church for, yeah. you know, doing research on the stars and that, that we were these like mystics, if you will. Um, he was kind of camped in that idea of like, if you're, if you're looking too hard that you clearly don't trust God enough, that if you, you've mm. too, if you have too many questions, you just don't believe God enough. And, um, I know I'm going on a little bit of a tangent here, but I, I, just so purely disagree i i think our god is a god of questions a Mm. god of wonder and i think he honors and rejoices in his creation being created to ask those questions and to learn more about him and to see him in everything in every blade of grass but in also in every word in his scripture like in every part of life i think god wants us to meet Mm. him and he will meet us and so it's just funny to me again you know talking about scientists of old versus scientists of today that this is not new yeah that that there has been an age old i don't even know it's like a feud between yeah. the church and science and that even in the idea of us You know, the earth rotating around the sun and figuring out those angles and how the stars work that at that time that that was considered like you do not believe in the Lord like Mm. you cannot believe in the Lord and you can't learn about that Which today is funny to us, but you know who's to say that that's not similar to some of those conversations we're having today even about creation or about you know Whatever it is you know DNA learning about the genome. There's Mm -hmm. a lot of hot topic conversations there you know should we edit the gene up yeah whatever there's a lot you could go and you know yeah. talk about but it's like how is that that different than back then when we were kicking people out of churches for telling for telling them that the earth revolved around the sun
0: yeah and it's really fascinating when you get into uh, that the really famous quote is you know you're playing god mm-hmm. you know and, or like god in a lab coat kind of thing yes and that comes into huge conversations around like dolly the lamb and mm-hmm. situations where you take genetics specifically, um, well, we obviously you like you said, you know, we we don't react the same way that you know pre-Reformation Catholic Church did. Yeah. You know, with kicking people out and excommunicating them. Um, hopefully, we don't. By and large, <laughs> we don't. We'll say that. By and large, the Christian community doesn't do that anymore. Hopefully, yeah. Um, and we obviously do believe in science. I yeah. mean, we're using the. I mean, this is one of the funniest things. I was looking at this and was talking about how uh, reverse osmosis is used for the water. Mm-hmm. And I'm a Christian, and I'm drinking reverse osmosis <laughs> water. I don't know what that means. I'm sure science was involved at some level. There was
1: science involved, yes.
0: But obviously we we, we believe in science, mm-hmm. you know, and we use science, and we utilize it. and But we look at it from a different perspective. How do you think we can communicate that perspective?
1: Well? Yeah. Yeah, I think that um, so much so, and I just wanted to say this before we moved on, that— um, I, I came across a couple articles from Scientific American, and one of them kind of highlighted that the really big questions that science cannot explain have not changed. And they listed three of them, mm. and I thought they were really cool that these are the questions that have, you know, prevailed through time that we still haven't figured out, and that if you ask me, we'll never figure out. And they are where did matter come from? What is consciousness? And what makes us human? And those, are, those the, are great questions. Those are the three questions that Scientific American, and again, Scientific American for anybody, is secular. Okay, that's not mm-hmm. a Christian right. database of articles. This is not a Christian writing this. Um, but these are questions that science cannot easily explain. They're questions that have been debated forever and will be debated until God returns in all of His glory. So um, I think that that just is helpful for us moving through this conversation, just to think about again, where did matter come from? What is consciousness and what makes us human? Yeah. And I think that it's super cool when you think about those those questions in light of scripture and what God tells us. Um, yeah. And the fact that science cannot answer those questions is really significant.
0: It gets trippy when you really think about it because it's like, okay, you know, they'll say everything's organic matter. You know, just some things are animate or, yeah. or not. And they're like at the base, it's all the same. And then it's like, well, how did some organic matter decide to start thinking and then start thinking about thinking Mm -hmm. and then you're like oh yeah that's freaky and you and then so that that is yeah how do you even begin to try to answer that and that's something that they have wrestled with long. I mean even the the classical um, philosophers who were you know as, as far as they did science related things as they tried to look and observe the world and they came across the same questions and I think that goes back into what um, Proverbs say, where there's just nothing new under the sun. These are very familiar questions, um, to humankind period. Yeah. Um, and I think something
1: too, with just in this conversation and, and this will kind of loop us back around to like, okay, how do we talk about it? Um, something that again, I think will help ground the Christian perspective is that in some way, shape or form, um, Science and faith have a lot in common. Mm. There's a song by The Script, "Science and Faith." Nice. They, they, uh, great they said, The Script reference. <laughs> yes, they said it well. But, but science and faith, um, in in a lot of ways, both require belief. Mm. That, and I think that's again, it, it kind of goes back to this origin that people think that because you have to put some type of faith into them, do so you have to believe something that they can oppose each other? But I also think that. In more cases than not, because you have to put something in to believe in them, that they reinforce each other, mm. that they help each other, and that in both of these camps, in the in the camp of science, whether or not you're believing in a multiverse or you're believing that, um, I don't even know, like these these crazy theories that we'll be able to create consciousness or synthetic consciousness or whatever whether whether you want to believe that or you want to believe in a god that you cannot see that both of those things require you to trust something that that you don't understand Mm. and that it's a it's a good thing to be able to remember that when you're talking to someone of science um, and you're in a conversation with somebody who might say yeah i believe in science you know whatever um that It's, it's good to remind yourself and not necessarily to remind them, but it's good to remind yourself that, Hey, they are trusting something that they can't see. Mm -hmm. And that's, and they are really putting faith into something. And that's why it's hard to unconvince them of maybe some ideas that they have. Um, but I think for us as Christians entering those conversations, my first instinct is just to say, enter them. Like, Mm -hmm. like, first of all, have a conversation and not an argument, have a conversation, um, be willing to hear somebody talk about what they think and what they believe. And again, I say what they think and what they believe because science can in some ways feel like a belief system. It Mm -hmm. it can feel like that. And, and I talked about the fact that it's not because it's not built on a firm foundation that it is changing, but it doesn't mean we shouldn't listen to people when they're sharing something that is really significant to them. Uh, I also think that in entering conversations with people who might really oppose you to I said this a little bit earlier but to to move past just the creation debate that mm-hmm. I like am and I've said this a few times I'm just a little bit tired of stopping there that it's like we get so heated on this mm. first topic that we just like aren't willing to see anything else and like yes origin of life matters like that's a yeah. very significant thing I'm not saying we should never talk about it we should but that's a lot that's what gets a lot of the heat um Instead of just being able to talk about, like, okay, like, let's talk about daily life. Let's talk mm-hmm. about humanity. Let's talk about altruism. Let's talk about people in community. Um, like, let's talk about what's more relevant to us now, today, um, and invite people into those conversations and maybe kind of shift some of the weight of origin of life off of just that. Uh, I don't know if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, no, it absolutely does. And I think that's one of the big things you're talking about is you go into those conversations to really go into it with a mind of... One, I want to respect this person. I want to have a real conversation with them. I'm not going to have a gotcha. You know? yeah. I'm not going to try and get them in that moment. Um, and hopefully they're not going to do the same thing to you. And uh, I think one of the other big things that comes into these conversations when we go and we, we want to communicate these things and we want to talk to people about them, it's not oversimplify the arguments mm-hmm. on either side. Mm-hmm. There was um, This was really famous, uh, but this was going around a lot in like 2015-ish. And I was in my first philosophy class. And one of they we were talking about atheism and this concept of belief systems and things like that. And one of the students talked to the professor, and he said, "You know, I just don't have enough faith to be an atheist." And mm-hmm. that was like a really common like mm-hmm. catchphrase yeah. of of that like kind of yeah. like that time period. And the professor just looked at me. He's like, "So you just admitted that you have less faith in God than an atheist?" And the guy was like, "Wait." I didn't mean to say that, and it's just like this concept of like, well, don't oversimplify. Just have yeah. a genuine, honest conversation. Not try and get them, and just yeah. talk about these things, you yeah. know. Um, and if you're both talking about science, you obviously clearly want to engage in it and talk mm. about it. And if the person's engaging you about faith, then they probably have some questions too. And if you can find a way to have that civil conversation, yeah, genuinely communicate, not argue, like you said, that's a huge step forward, uh, I think, in the conversation.
1: Yeah, and I think too um, something that I like to share with people going into this is not to default on the the but God and this is my faith, so it's not mm. going to make sense to you.
0: Kind of a cop out statement.
1: Yes. Yeah. Um, and and I say that in a really loving way because there's one thing that. You know, it's one thing to share your testimony, mm-hmm. and I, I strongly encourage sharing your testimony. I think yeah. that's a really powerful way to have a conversation with somebody. Um, but I also think a lot of the times when Christians have these conversations about faith, they're like, "Well, you, uh, it's just God, and you just don't get it." And mm-hmm. it's really easy to stop there. Yeah. Or you know, it's you know, we, it's almost, yeah, it's almost a cop out yeah. to say, "I, I just am going to leave it." at the fact that it's God and now I'm done and I'm personally offended. So I'm going to walk away. Yeah. And that was me like middle school, high school, even Mm -hmm. in college, that Mm -hmm. was me. I got so offended and it took me a really long time to be able to say like, Hey, no, let's take a step back. Like, it's not just this, like I'm mad because you don't believe the same thing. So I'm just going to say like, ugh, whatever. You don't get it. You'll never get it. Bye. You know, Mm -hmm. that, that is the polarization. Like that is the issue. And so my challenge is to not, rely on the you know this is my god and and you don't get it mm. stance um to try and have an honest conversation and especially if, like you were saying if, if you are in the science field or if you know a lot about science then it's even harder to you know have this conversation and use scripture or use like The scientific world to justify like God's reality and God's presence without just wholly relying on supernatural experience, Mm. because when you are just relying on supernatural experience, it does tend to make somebody who doesn't believe in God shut down. Yeah, It, it tends to do that. When, yeah. And and a lot of the times, and I'm not saying this is always true, but most of the times when you're having this conversation, it, it is not going to end in a conversion most of the times. Mm-hmm. Most of the times when you're entering this conversation, that person is not looking to, you know, have a conversion and, and accept Jesus into their heart. But they are going to be really awestruck by and impressioned by the ways that you interact with them, that you mm-hmm. have an opportunity to show them Jesus just in the way that you're having a conversation. Um, and I have lots of experience with lots of people in the science field in which they didn't necessarily know that I, you know, believed in God because I never directly shared my testimony. But I was so gentle in the ways that we talked about it and in the ways that eventually when it did come out, they were like, ah, yes, like that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Like when we were talking about origin of life or when we were talking about these things, like I was willing to listen and not and not just freak out or shut down yeah or be like no you're wrong God's real like that's not that is no, yeah. almost never and and I think that that's something that's really beautiful is that if you can talk about science without directly going straight to the but God just God you yeah. know type of conver- you know ending the conversation there it really does cut that off
0: yeah. and it, and
1: it tends to shut people down especially people who are really science-minded it, it just makes them be like okay yeah. Well, there's, well, there's no reasoning with you then.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: There's nothing else to say.
0: I think there's um, one of the, again, it was that philosophy class. So that professor at the end of that class was talking through this and he said, listen, you're part of a faith tradition that's 2,000 years old. Some of the greatest scientists, philosophers, uh, you know, thinkers, educators, tradesmen have been walking through this and a lot of them have written about it and they're brilliant people. Across 2,000, anyway, that's a lot of time to really think about these questions and, and write them down. And he said, one of the best things that Christians can do is find um, those uh, scientists or those philosophers that do come a fa- come from a faith perspective that someone from a non-faith perspective can respect. Yeah. Or it's like, okay, if you're going to quote Newton, I can get behind that. I mm-hmm. understand who Newton is. You know, if you want to talk about, um, you know, ancient philosophers, you want to talk about... Um, Christian philosophers. You want to talk about yeah. names that people recognize? It's really important to know what has already been said and walk into these conversations armed with respect, respectable sources as well. Yeah, um, that can be used in that conversation again, um, not to exclude a testimony, but maybe to include with it. You know, yeah, as you I talk totally about agree. through those things. Well, how have Christians influenced science throughout history? Kind of on that note.
1: Yeah. Oh my goodness. There's lots. Um, I was actually just looking at this. Galileo quote and I kind of referenced him earlier that he was um kicked out of the Roman Catholic church uh for studying the stars but he has this beautiful quote and he says I do not feel obligated to believe that the same God who has endowed us with senses reason and intellect has intended us to forego their use Mm. and that that there's this idea from scientists of old that And we see this in scripture that if God created us in his image to have these beautiful desires to know more about this earth, to know more about ourselves, to know more about him, that we should not deny all of those things and that science is not like unnatural. Um, And we kind of touched on that a little bit. But most of these famous scientists have the perspective more so that, that they don't necessarily believe in a higher God or a higher figure, but that they cannot shut down the possibility of it. Mm. And I think that was a theme that I've seen. And it's actually a theme that I've seen in a lot of my uh, friends who don't know the Lord, that that atheism in the science community is actually quite a bit less common than this idea of, well, I'm not sure about God, but Mm. I can't, you know, disregard the possibility of it. And it goes back to those nature of science. We cannot disregard, like, we can't shut down that possibility, which, and again, is why, uh, as Christians, us being willing to enter that conversation is so important. If most of the scientific community is saying, like, hey, I don't necessarily believe in God, you know, I don't have a personal relationship with Christ, but... It is unfair to say that there is no possibility, that there's no mystery in these age-old questions that have been unanswered. That gives us even more of a responsibility to enter those conversations and to respond and show people the gospel um, because, yes, there are atheists in the science community. I'm not saying that. But my personal opinion is that it, it is more likely that they are not personally walking with the Lord, but that they are curious about answering these questions Mm. and again a lot of people um have this like theme throughout history um we have sir francis bacon up here he was um basically the founder of the scientific method that thing you learned in school that was like write a hypothesis Yeah, yeah if then statements so he was kind of the founder of that And he has this quote that ties into what I just said, and it says, "It is true that a little philosophy inclineth man's mind to atheism, but depth in philosophy bringeth men's minds about religion." Wow!
0: What a quote! This
1: idea, yes, isn't that beautiful? And that's actually just a snippet of the quote. Um, But he wrote a whole essay on atheism, basically saying that you can't rule out the possibility of mm. a higher being, that you can't rule it out, that that's, you just, it's not possible to do that, that if you truly have a depth in your philosophy, if you truly understand the world around you, that that you have to believe that there could be something out there, mm. which again, very significant. He would be obviously not necessarily considered a follower of the Lord, Um And I, and I think, I think maybe he was involved in some, yeah, I think he was Anglican, but that quote for me was like, yes. Yeah. (laughs) Super cool.
0: Absolutely.
1: Um, and here's Charles Darwin. Here's a surprising one. This one doesn't make the internet. I wish this was circulating Facebook. I feel like all the stuff is like terrible, but this is a Charles Darwin quote. He says, the impossibility of conceiving that this grand and wondrous universe with our conscious selves arose through chance seems to me the chief argument for the existence of God. But whether this is an argument of real value, I have never been able to decide. Mm. And so he kind of says basically that, um, that he sees this earth for all it is. He sees all of this life and is like, there's no way there's Mm -hmm. just no way that this is by chance. But he really struggled, and I brought this up earlier, is that um, that he struggled with a, a good God and a bad right. earth, that that was what really broke him, that he could not conceptualize and uh, those two ideas. But the sheer idea that he could say these words would mm. shatter people's perspectives of the yeah. father of evolution. Um, right, is,
0: oversimplifying the arguments even on yeah. the other side. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah,
1: yeah. Um, yeah, we have lots of people here. Uh, Maria Mitchell, she was the first American female astronomer. Woohoo! Uh, and she was actually dis- disowned from her, her Quaker family, which is pretty crazy. Um, but she wrote that scientific investigations, pushed on and on, will reveal new ways in which God works and bring us hmm. deeper revelations of the holy unknown, holy as in like fully yeah. not. Holy, like church holy. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm going to say that one again. Scientific investigations pushed on and on will will reveal new ways in which God works and bring us deeper revelations of the holy unknown.
0: Man, that's so, I mean, that was really Newton's perspective too. As he was studying, you know, the world around him, that was his whole point was he wanted to know more about God. So he dug into God's creation.
1: Yeah, exactly. I mean I
0: think then an apple hit him in the head. And yeah. it was just like, man, look at that. I
1: mean <laughs> I, I would say that that's a theme that yeah. th- this, there's a theme in these scientists of old, these, these fathers and mothers of modern science, that what the message I kept getting is that to know more about this earth is to know more about God. Mm-hmm. That to understand life is a spiritual experience. Mm. and that God gives us the freedom to to indulge in that experience that we will never know it all, and that all of these scientists claim that we will never know it all. But to be even involved in the process of discovering things about us and about our world is such a beautiful thing, Mm. Um, and I've just seen that in all of these scientists. I will end with Albert Einstein, very famous guy. Um, and he has a very famous quote that says, the most beautiful thing we can experience is the mysterious. Mm. And he was a huge believer in miracles that he basically just, um, he, he didn't have a personal relationship with God. He never claimed to necessarily have a personal relationship with God. Um, but he did claim that there were things he could not explain and felt that we could never explain. So, Again, I kind of said this at the beginning with a lot of these scientists of old, these fathers and mothers, there's a lot less of this blatant atheism mm-hmm. and a lot more wonder. Yeah. And, I, and I want to key in on that wonder that I wish we talked a little bit more about that. And we talked a little bit less about they hated God.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It's not true. I think that as we, you know, start to wrap up the conversation, as we've looked at this, we, you know, it's clearly a misconception that Christians reject science. You know, we probably haven't communicated it in the best of ways mm-hmm. a lot of time, and we can get very argumentative in the modern debates around it, very polarized, like you said. So as we wrap this up, what's what's one thing you'd want our listeners to walk away from after this conversation in regards to the faith and science conversation?
1: Yeah, I think one really significant thing that I want people to take away, is that science is tentative and yet durable, that we should trust it for what we know right now, and that our God is a God of wonder and mystery, and that to know more of him is to learn more about what he's given us on this earth. That includes ourselves, that includes people around us, that includes nature, cells, DNA, whatever you want to say, that, that God has given us that ability, and I hope and pray that we can use that ability to know him in a deeper way personally and continue to have that conversation with people.
0: Absolutely. Thank you so much for being on the show, Shannon. This is excellent. Yay. <laughs> Thank you for tuning in to this production from Sand Hills Media Ministry. This episode was produced and hosted by John Dayback. Audio mixing and camera work by Sean Wigner. Post production by Eric Wigner. Special thanks to our guest, Shannon Barker. If you enjoyed this podcast, please consider supporting us through liking, subscribing, and sharing on your social media. It is more than you know to fuel this project. If you'd like to know more about Sandhills or join us on a Sunday, you can do so at sandhillschurch.org. If you enjoyed our intro song, it's Same Blood Instrumental by King's Kaleidoscope.